This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. We're in a different location today. So, uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing in the in the world of the internet, on the Facebooks? Good morning. Hello. What is this, Labor Day weekend? Mm-hmm. Anybody barbecuing this weekend? Having a good time? I'm not. I'm not doing anything. I've literally been at my house sleeping yesterday. And uh, that's about it. So we'll give everybody a few more minutes to catch up with us because there's a few people who like to show up late, latecomers. <laughs> everybody asks us to be on time, and then we're on time, and then you're not on time. What's going on? <laughs> Just text, keep texting Caleb because he really likes it when you text him to see if we're running on time. <laughs> um, so today, uh, yeah, I mean, the world's been mad. The world's been kind of crazy, as always. I mean, what is it? It's 2020. So what are we going to expect? It's just life continues to be nuts. Um, had a lot of interesting conversations with folks this week and we'll talk a little bit about that so so yeah i was i was just i was thinking about a few things i i uh saw this tweet recently from a um from this uh very conservative pastor who i guess had attended the the uh what is it the convention, oh, the Republican National, the Republican National RNC. Convention outside of the uh, the White House, and they were walking back, and they were talking about, you know, how they felt they were being persecuted because protesters were yelling at them. And I find it strange that if you're a pastor and you're getting yelled at, that you feel that that's persecution. When I kind of feel like that's part of the the job. Um, of course, I grew up with people protesting my parents' church for other reasons, um, and dealing with that. So for me, that was just kind of part of the, what I got into. And when you make controversial statements that a lot of people aren't happy with, uh, or don't like, sometimes people show up and even yell at you while you're speaking, um, which I've experienced a few times. But anyway, this guy was talking about, you know, like, you know, people were threatening them and blah, blah, blah. And so, and uh, there were all these, what did he say? Uh, Marxists and anarchists. And, you know, I'm like, do they really under, you know, and like these basically saying like these type of folks could not be Christians. And so I just was like, do I ignore this or do I say something? So I just said, you know, I talked about Jesus going to Matthew's house and how upset the religious leaders were because Jesus hung out with people that they didn't consider holy or didn't consider to have their lives together, you know, and um, they considered sinners and and so I just was like, yeah, you should have seen the people Jesus hung out with at Matthew's house and all this stuff. And this other guy was like, oh, what was I supposed to do? Have dinner with them? Another pastor who was there oh, really? <laughs> chimed in. Yeah, hmm. it was pretty interesting. What was I supposed to do? Have dinner with them? They were yelling and screaming at us and threatening our lives. And I had to take an elderly woman home to protect her. And I was like, I was like okay. I'm like, I'm not sure what this has to do with the other thing. But I'm like, at least you didn't judge him. And he's like, oh. I prayed for them, but I'm also judging them. Of course, they're judging them. They threatened my life. And uh, so I was like, well, prayer is a good start. <laughs> and I'll talk to you a little bit more about what I said to him in a few minutes. But yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty nuts. And it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to see what the divide between the constant divide, which we're constantly talking about, um, not just in the world, but within the church of the liberal Christian and the conservative Christians. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about accountability today. And what does that look like? And how do we handle that? Um, and kind of the story that we find ourselves in. I think that was a, 
I think that was a Brian McLaren book, the story you find ourselves in, mm. or a Bernard Manning book. I'm I'm not sure. I'm sure someone will let me know. Um, and one of the things I was thinking was is. Are there systems and experiences that we have in life that shape us so much that we really don't un- understand certain things? You know what I mean? Like we're raised a certain way. We're taught to believe a certain thing. Um, we're kind of given, especially when you're a teenager and in your 20s, you know, you're kind of given this worldview passed on to you by your parents and you either rebel against it or accept it. And you have different life experiences. And, um, you know, and kind of shaped that way. And I, I often, you know, I think about, like, why people have such different views of, of Christianity and such different views of, of philosophy and theology. And, I mean, you know, we have so many different types of, of, of denominations. We have so many different thoughts, different types of, of thinking even in, in, in philosophy and different schools and all sorts, any type of thinking, you end up having completely different schools um, of thinking. And so it's often reflected on the way that we, we're raised. And so one of the very popular things we hear now a lot is deconstruction. And how do we deconstruct these concepts and these ideas that maybe are are in our lives from experience and how do we become more critical thinkers how do we learn to empathize and think differently with you know empathize with people who think differently than us and how do we learn how do we grow um i think you see this often when i, I mean i used to see this all the time with friends who would go to seminary and they had you know, very conservative Christians, you know, and they're like, oh, I'm going to go to seminary. I'm going to become this great preacher and all this stuff. And then they go to seminary and they're like, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And I was like, what? <laughs> right. What's a seminary, man? Happens quite a bit, you know? actually. And they're like, well, there's just so many different ideas and different thoughts and different concepts that I just don't know if I can buy into it anymore. And I realized it, too, as I started, as I started reading more books that were seminary level that like, Oh, okay, I get it. I, mm-hmm. now I kind of understand why these people are detaching. You crit, uh, critically think about your, yeah. your theology yeah. for the and first time for a lot of people. And for me growing up in the assemblies of God and growing up evangelical Christian, you know, even hearing progressive ideas of, of Christianity was like, Oh, this is so different. And understanding the concepts of grace. And I was going like, why didn't I hear more about this? This seems so different than from what I was raised for. And it can shake you because so often we're, we're caught up in this, like, it's either all true or it's not true at all. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's mm-hmm. part of the, the downfall of evangelicals totally. is that it's this in or out. Yeah, it's in or out, you know? So it's either, either it's this or it's that, mm-hmm. you know? And so when it's not that, of course you go over to this, um, and we, we react. Mm-hmm. But I guess what my question is, is we're all on a journey. And as we go on our journey and we grow differently, some of us, you know, go into faith. Some of us leave the faith. Some of us go into different faiths and different things like that. My question is, is I know that there's a particular amount of accountability. I mean, don't get me wrong, okay? I would not say we don't need to be accountable. But I would also say there's a part of us that we just have to go on the journey. You know, that we have to deconstruct and reconstruct to become to where we we're able to make decisions for ourselves. Um, you know, and, and we have to realize that some of us just think differently and how to accept that and how to 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 intertwine that. And I'll tell you why I'm thinking that in a second. But. Um, but what I want to ask you, the listeners today, is what has it taken in your own life to shift and change over time. Um, what, what has it taken in your own lives to really cause a shift and a change? Um, what's, what's, what's been that process? And I think one of the things why I'm thinking about this is I'm wondering is do we allow that process for other people in their lives? 
you know, do we all, do we allow when we, when people are slowly changing and coming to a new realization in their own lives? Because I don't know how many of us as just humans came to a conclusion overnight. You know, I mean, some of us have an aha moment, you know, like, oh, man, I took a hit of acid and I woke up the next day and now I'm, a, you know, this. Um, but I, I think for most of us, we don't have these huge shifts unless there's a, a big trauma involved. Often when there's yeah. a, 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 a trauma, that'll cause us to change. Or when we realize things aren't working or things don't add up, that will lead to a change. But sometimes that process is, is a slow process. And so I'm curious is... Do we allow for that? And when we're in the moment, because right now in 2020, a lot of us are in the heat of the moment. A lot of things are happening fast and a lot of decisions are made fast. And I've seen, you know, um, I've seen a lot of arguments over the defund the police here in Minneapolis. And I've seen people who are like, yeah, let's do it. And then a few months later, then some people are like, well, maybe we should do it this way or maybe we should, you know, you know, uh, reform, you know, and, and have different conversations because in the heat of the moment, this, this felt like the right thing. And the next moment it was like, well, maybe we should think about it this way because you know what? My community does need some form of policing. I'm not here to take a side on either one of those right now, but what I'm here to do is just say that how our minds work mm-hmm. and how we come to conclusions and how we mm-hmm. respond to others in that heat of the moment mm-hmm. and how often like, when we get in the arguments on, on something like a limited place like Twitter, you know, where you can't really have deep discussions because there's not very many characters you're allowed to use. And it's very hard to have deep discussions when you only have what, 180 characters, um, and no edit button. Um, (laughs) we need an edit button in Twitter. Um, but, but then we often react to each other and we go down these, these, these holes of arguing with each other and, 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 and calling each other out and, and disowning each other and being like, well, then you don't see it this way, then you don't. But, I mean, who has had a life-changing experience where you read one tweet hmm. <laughs> or even a, a list of tweets and you were like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go join, I'm going to join the military tomorrow. You know what I mean? Or I'm going to join, uh, what was it? The, uh, the Peace Corps. Peace Corps yeah. I used to think I was going to join the Peace Corps when I was younger. Um, cause it's the toughest job you'll ever love, <laughs> but I never did. And, um, but this, this idea of, of, of expecting change and then realizing like how much accountability can we hold in those moments of one conversation or brief interaction? on someone else's because are we taking in the idea of everything that they've been through in their life, their experiences, their hurt and their pain. Um, I remember talking to a friend of mine who uh, was conservative and, and, and how they voted when we would talk about their voting and <laughs> about their voting. And they would say like their voting was very personal to them. You know, and it had a lot to do with how they felt about health insurance and how they felt when they lost a loved one and how they felt, you know, raising a child. Mm -hmm. And so it all came from real personal experiences that they were like this relating it to me, you know. And for me, my experiences probably growing up in ministry is um, is is the idea of like. People, others, 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 just others thinking like, you know, how do I, you know, when I vote, I vote on the behalf of everyone, you know, I don't vote on my behalf. Now that would seem like, oh, aren't I great? And aren't the person who's voting on their own bad and closed minded? No, they've had different experiences growing up. They didn't grow up in a social justice movement. They grew up in a home that was unpredictable and not showing what was going on. And they got a job, you know, where they wanted to take care of their family and their family was really important. And in that thing, to take care of their family was, you know, not for everybody to have health insurance. It was for their what, their health insurance to be affordable and for them not to pay a ton of taxes to take care of everybody else because their family needed to be taken care of. And so what I'm saying is, is, you know, yeah, I'm more on the liberal side, but I couldn't discount their experience in their life, you know. And I couldn't make it my life goal to change them, to make them see that they have to come around in my type, my way of thinking right away, or maybe ever. 
All I could do was say, okay, well, this is how I experienced it, mm-hmm. and this is why I think it. When what happened in that relationship was is that we both had really great conversations about how we believed. And that person ended up telling me that they said, I can't vote at all, you know, because I don't believe in either side anymore. And they became very disillusioned with the Republican Party and with their with Trump and said, I can't vote anymore. Um, and that wasn't me. It was just their life experience and what they shared. And so those things take time. And I just want us to think about that as we are, are, are going through what I feel like is a revolution in, in humanity right now, like, right, no pun intended, but like such a, you know, change in, in the country and in the world of how we live, how we think, what we're doing, um, and seeing others and realizing that some people are scared because they don't think our way of thinking is safe. You know, I watched some people, how they talk about anarchists and I, I was, I was watching, I was looking at, um, this punk rock side I follow and they were showing all these different, like, like 10 different types of anarchists and the different symbols, you know, that different anarchists use and, and think about. And I was reading the comments and the comments were like, that's a weak system. Oh yeah. Look at what they're all doing down there and being violent and killing each other and, and burning buildings. And, you know, because they have this idea that that's what anarchy is because that's what society has, has said. And, you know, we've got a, a, a picture of, you know, like Sid Vicious giving the finger being like anarchy, you know? And so, but anarchy has been around a lot longer than that. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the circle is an O which stands for order. Um, and it's kind of a trusting other people. It, it, actually, it's not far from people who are thinking. What's funny is to see a lot of very conservatives not like the ideal when it's not a crazy far thing from being the conservative ideal of saying, I don't need the government in my business. I don't need the government to tell me what to do. I don't need to do this. So anarchy is not like this crazy, like liberal, everything goes, you know. It, you know, it could kind of be seen as, as conservatives could definitely be drawn to actual anarchy in more of a, uh, in a general sense. What's the other uh, political party? Um, libertarians. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes libertarians, when I see that, I can see very similar lines from what I've read about anarchy and libertarians. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's just, just, you know, to point that out. But the fact is, is having that conversation on Instagram with people who are like, they're burning everything down and Antifa's the, you know, horrible and they think Antifa's an actual group and, you know, all this stuff. Right. And so there's this, like, misunderstanding. There's a confusion, you know, and these people are afraid and when you're afraid and when you're fearful and I was talking to, um, what was, we were doing our interview for a new podcast that yeah, yeah, Caleb yeah. were working on and we were talking to... Um, Which one? We're doing four now. Grace guy. Oh, uh, Phil, Phil Drysdale. Phil, Phil, Phil Drysdale. And Phil was talking about that often when people are frightened and scared, they are more drawn to what makes them feel safe than what's necessarily the truth is. Mm-hmm. You know, like they want, and that's human nature. Uh, we have the fight or flight. And I know in my therapy, when I was talking to my psychiatrist about my panic attacks and things like that, you know, they were saying, well, your fight or flight thing is off mechanism is not working right you know so you get this little bit of panic and you're sitting in the car and you just want to jump out of the car you know even though there's not a tiger that you know it's it's made for us to be like oh there's a tiger right what should i do should i sit and pet the tiger or should i run to save my life obviously you run and the tiger catches you and you die anyway but (laughs) or you climb a tree tigers climb trees man (laughs) my son tells me about how awesome cheetahs are and like nothing can beat them and nothing can defeat them. Um, and then he said, maybe mongoose, but anyway, <laughs> that's up to Milo. We'll, uh, we'll save that for later. Um, so I know I'm throwing out a lot here and I'm just kind of throwing up with you with my, my head, but, but what I'm trying to say is like, sometimes we're not seeking the truth. It's not like everybody who's seeing like Marxist and anarchists and, you know, all these people, you know, these guys who are frightened of these people aren't going and being like, I'm going to go buy a book on Marxism, you know, or I'm going to go buy a book on anarchy and read that. I have this book called Christ- Jesus and Anarchy, and it's a pretty cool book. And it really goes into the history of, of anarchy. 
Um, but, but a lot of times people are just reacting out of fear. So they hear the president say, well, it's a bunch of anarchists down there. So they automatically just think like, well, the president should know. So there's anarchists down here. And out of fear, they go, well, this is bad. This is, this is affecting my safety. I'm scared. So what's going to make me safe is to be against these people rather than sitting down and maybe having a conversation with folks who believe these way. And I would say, you know, for me, it, it saddens me that people are saying like, oh, these people are Marxists and anarchists and anti-God. Like, I know a lot of Christian anarchists. I know Christian Marxists. You know, these people exist. Um, you know, I think we should be shocked that there's Christian capitalists just as much as anything. Because capitalism doesn't seem to be like the idea that Jesus was selling. You know, it seems actually kind of contradictory to a lot of what Jesus said. So I think we've got different, you know, in my opinion, change my mind, but do it through a conversation. You know, maybe a few conversations and a really good book recommendation or a podcast. Um, but it happens over time. So what I'm saying is we've got this literal fight and flight, a lot of fear running towards safety rather than running towards truth. And that's what we do kind of in a battle and a war and in a place where we have people who are killing each other. And dramatic things are happening. A lot of us are hoping for safety. And we don't even feel safe in our own homes or we feel stuck in our own homes. Now our homes have even become like a strange place. So we're in a very different world right now. And I guess what I'm trying to, to say is, is how can we learn to be patient with one another and to give each other the benefit of the doubt and maybe realize people think differently and maybe have more constructive conversations. And I know this is like a total, this is the long road. This is another road. But if we want to see change, change, yes, comes from protesting. I believe that. And, and from, from, you know, doing those type of things and, and, and from uprisings. But I also think a lot of change happens through conversations. You know, and my work in the LGBTQ plus movement, what I realized is that often sitting down and having conversations with people made more of a difference than my protesting or even my preaching. And what even made a bigger difference was if my LGBTQ brothers and sisters sat down and had a conversation and, and shared their pairing and their experience and their strength and even their hopes. And that when people were able to see that, there was, was a change that happens in someone that goes like, oh, now, I'm, I, now that I'm having a human connection, now that I'm having this, this, this someone knowing, sharing someone else's experience you know, even th this is going to allow me to even question everything I was born in because we're having a moment, because we're sharing a moment. And that doesn't happen all the time, um, but I feel like a lot of the really angry, mean baddies are, are, are easier behind cameras and on, on uh, you know, so, you know, internet, yeah, keyboard warriors, you know, like a lot of that time. Like we get the keyboard removed we get the cameras removed, and we sit down and have conversations, a lot of cool things are going to happen. I think that's why I like podcasts, especially when they have people from different minds, because they're sitting in the same room, or they're, or they're talking over, even online, but they're seeing each other, and they're talking with each other. You, you kind of see something different happen, and I really like that. So what I'm saying is, is maybe, <laughs> Jay, get to the damn point, maybe accountability isn't always accountability within that moment. You know, maybe it's we have to spend time with someone and get to know them before accountability enters into the relationship. Definitely in a pastoral relationship. I mean, that's a, that's a whole different... Accountability is kind of a buzzword and probably a trigger word for a lot of you. But I mean in friendships and relationships and in and, and, and understanding where the other comes from. And if we really want to get rid of the us and them, then we do have to come together and have type of conversation. Um, for me, too, trauma has, has shaped and changed. I've seen many of us. And so some folks who aren't lucky enough to suffer trauma, <laughs> they have to, you know, to wake them up, they have to go the old-fashioned way and have conversations. So for a lot of us, have a lot of trauma and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, and, and that's changed us and caused us to look at something different. I mean, I would definitely say my dad going to prison and seeing how conservatives acted towards my family and, and, and 
and hearing like pastors say longer prison sentences and things like that really pushed me away from the conservative way of thinking and from the, the, the Republican way of thinking as a, as a kid. And I was like, I, I don't want any of this. I want something else. But it was through that trauma and that hurt that I ran one way. And now, you know, I'm always talking about safe space. And I'm always saying, like, you know, sometimes progressives are just as bad as the conservatives and we scapegoat each other and we do these type of things that we have to avoid. But that's come through growth and learning and not just reacting and not running to a safe place. And also realizing that neither place is necessarily safe, that there's like no ideal, that the truth is very complicated and can move within gray areas and is not always black and white. And that black and white thinking has really hurt us as a community of believers and a community of humans. Um, can we teach, I guess the big question is, can we teach the stubborn person who's set in their ways? I don't know. You know, I mean, I know my dad's pretty set in his ways, and I know that we have a lot of really intense conversations. Mm-hmm. I know the last time we talked, he talked a lot of less, well, a lot less about politics, but I feel like that might have been with the state of the world and that everything's going in, that the party that he's been towing isn't looking the best. Yeah. And I'm not really towing a party right now because I'm not, you know, I feel like we don't have two of the greatest choices. Um, so... I don't know. Can we teach the stubborn person? Uh, I think that might require lifelong relationships. And maybe yeah, that's why right. some of us who have family yeah. just have to learn to love our family mm-hmm. and sometimes avoid certain situations. Yeah. And then sometimes just live. We have to live. And if we live amongst each other, I think often that would change people more than just totally than just 100%. spouting out facts. Exposure to, you know, to real people, you know, yeah. Just humanity. Yeah. And I think, I, you know, I always had some great conversations with my mom, you know, because she would say, oh, okay, well, why are you a liberal? Why are you a Democrat? You know, why do you think this way? And, um, you know, and I would say, well, mom, this is why. Let me tell you about my own personal experience with, like, insurance. Or let me right. tell you my own personal experience with it. And she'd go, oh, okay, honey, mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, um yeah, and some people you just never change. So, you know, and, and I think those are times times the people that we kind of have to love from afar, and maybe hope that we help others avoid people who are leaders who are spreading misinformation. We definitely need to help people like that, you know. And there's mm-hmm. always going to be leaders that are, are spreading misinformation, and uh, for one reason or the other, yeah. And and so. You know, I think that's why we have to keep communicating because, you know, with other people. Um, I, and I think we also have to ask ourselves, what would it take for someone to change my own convictions? Because hmm. right now, I believe all my convictions are right. Yeah. But if I went back <laughs> 10 years and talked to me, mm-hmm. I would be like, no, I believe oh, this Lord. and this and this. And I would have different convictions. And not agree. You know, and if I went back 15 years and I said some things that I believe now, I would be like, what? Yeah. How dare you? And I'd be like, oh, well, you're going to have this conversation with, with, with Reverend Vince. And then you're going to have like 50,000 conversations with Pete Rollins about this. And then you're going to read this book and this book. And then you'll be okay with it, you know. But no, I had to do all that right. stuff to get here mm-hmm. over time and have lots of conversations. Conversations that made me angry when I first heard them. Mm-hmm. Our conversations that made me an atheist and said, I don't believe in God. Screw you. Screw God. Screw everybody. I'm done. You know, I had to have those moments in my life. And sometimes I still have those moments. Totally. You know, there's sometimes I have those moments reading the Bible and going like, "Ugh, this is, this is disgusting. You know, how do I, you know, that's why I don't hold the Bible up to this like great place. You know, like I see it as a book and a collection of writings and I think it's a great foundation, but I think there's a lot of, horrific things in there. Um, but what would it take to change your convictions? Like if I was to come and try to change something that you believe in and be like, okay, let you know, would it, could I do it through a tweet? Could I through, do it through one of my books or could I do it through a friendship? I mean, how much yeah. does it take for us? Like I'm talking convictions, not just like, Oh, I kind of feel this way. I kind of think that way. Yeah. Or this policy, you could, you know, could yeah, work, but you like know, yeah. the things that you're really convicted about and you're fighting for, and, you know, 
what would it make me to just what, what would it take for you to vote a different way than you're voting or what would it take for me to convince you to vote if you're not voting you know what i mean what are, what are those things what would that look like Because it usually takes a lot of time and a lot of years yeah. to take things apart. And then when we have them laying in front of us, what that looks like when we, if we put them back together, what we keep and what we get rid of. Um, so out there, so are there the, uh, hold on, let me read just. And are there some things we just can't change? Yes. And it's in, especially in this moment, there are things like you'd be like, I would never change that. I mean, I remember sitting down with Vince and Vince Anderson, my co-pastor, saying, like, I don't, you know, I don't care if the literal resurrection happened or not. And this was probably 15 years ago. And I remember and that yeah. I looked at him and I said, if there's not a literal resurrection, I'm done, man. I'm going to go get a job at a coffee shop or start a record store. So it's your go-to threat. You know, I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I, I'm disillusioned by it. You know, and now I can sit here and say, like, if someone had a video camera and Jesus didn't walk out of the tomb and I saw that, I wouldn't, I, I, my faith would not change that much. I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I still think these are principles that I believe in Mm -hmm. and things that I'm, uh, that I'm compassionate, passionate about and lean on. So it's not a make or break deal. These stories illustrate the, you know, the way that you choose to interpret those stories. You know, and I believe resurrection is an ideal of life. Yeah. I think of death and resurrection, just like we're talking about ideas. And like sometimes you have ideas and they die and they come back differently. Mm-hmm. And um, totally. so I think it's a great metaphor too. Um, I think as someone who's tried to take their own life and failed at it and am grateful that I did, um, I guess it's been two years now, um, which doesn't seem that long ago, but then again, it seems like a lifetime ago. Um, that's getting in, like, U2 has a song called You're Stuck in a Moment That You Can't Get Out Of. And they, they wrote that song about the lead singer of NXS who hung himself, Michael Hutchinson. And this idea of like suicide is this thing where, in my mind, this was going to solve all my problems and it was going to help everybody else around me. You know, and I tried it and I failed. I woke up in a hospital. Um, Thank God you failed. You know, but it was one of those things that I thought at the time I was convinced that was the right decision. Mm-hmm. You know, now I hang out with my kids all the time and I go like, how could I have done that to them? You know, what would this have done to their lives? You know, what if it would have done to my ex-wife's life? God. What would it have done to, you know, Pete's life? You know, my best friend my best friend, you know, what would it done to my dad and my sister? I mean, you know, what, 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 my nephews, you know, it's like, it was a horrific thing that I did. And I live in immense regret and extremely grateful that it's something I failed at because I feel so much happier in my life. I've had so much good therapy. Um, I've had such good sessions. I don't let things get to me. I don't, I'm not like an obsessive compulsive people pleaser anymore, but it all came through hard work, even hard work I was doing at the time when I tried to take my life, but I had to continue on with it to grow to a certain place. But it's that, that, that permanent solution to a temporary problem or a permanent solution to a temporary conviction. You know, I had to grow to be the man I am now sitting here with you. And I've been teaching and doing this for 25 years and still made a horrible mistake, like tried to take my life. And I understand those feelings. And if you have those feelings, you're not alone. And please talk to somebody. If you need to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or anybody, you know, don't, it's not worth it. it, it you don't want to do it. It's, it, it, and you're not as big you know, of a burden as you think you are. And, and, um, and I do need to be reminded of that sometimes too. You know, do, can I still love and respect people who've made that decision in their lives? Yes. But what I encourage them not to, yes, only because of my own experience of trying it, failing at it, and seeing what lied beyond it. Mm. And it was a better life. Mm. Hey, you were resurrected. In a way, yeah. It, it, by, not by choice. Yeah, right? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. It was like console. You crawled into the into tomb a, and the angels <laughs> came carrying you out. And said, sorry, buddy. Sorry, bud. You got to give this another try. Plugging you back in. Um and deep, deep, and even more pain afterwards. Like being in the mental hospital is not a treat at all. 
The electroshock therapy was bad on you, too. Electric shock therapy was awful. Um, I mean, I think it probably did some positive things, but it was, you know, losing your memory is an awful thing. Anyway, trauma. We're talking about trauma going through. What does it take us to change? Can we be held accountable? Could I be held accountable in that moment where I thought everyone will be happier without me? <clears throat> you know, I mean, I'm sure one day I'm going to have to sit down and have a talk with both of my kids about this because I've been so public about it. Yeah. And I don't look forward to that day, you know? Um, so this is why I was thinking about this the whole time was, is, uh, when Jesus is on the cross, one of the things that he utters out is forgive them father for they know not what they do. And the next verse is as the soldiers sat down and ripped his clothes and gambled for them. And I think it's interesting because could you imagine if you saw an execution happening and you saw two of the two of the those, guards, the, guards the, the, the prison guards over there gambling, being like, well, I get his stuff in his, in his cell. Yeah. No, I get it. You know, you, the world would go outrageously insane. You know, it would be on everything. We'd be talking about it. It would be everywhere. Um, and so Jesus says this out, and I think it's interesting that it points right to that second of, of them gambling over his clothes. And why I wanted to say is that moment Jesus was not holding these people accountable. And so when I go back to earlier when I was talking about this preacher I was talking to, and I was like, yeah, prayer's good, because he was talking about how he was definitely going to judge them for threatening his life, and that, you know, blah, blah, blah. He'd still pray for him, but they needed to be judged harshly. And so I just said, well, prayer's good, and then I put the scripture reference to forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And then his response to me wasn't like, oh, you've changed my life. (laughs) His response to me was like, yeah, I really am praying for them. So it wasn't a rebuttal. It wasn't an argument. It wasn't what I, a change overnight, but it was at least something where it was like, I think he might have got it. Like, oh, so he's like, yeah, I'm definitely praying for him. And that was it, you know, and it, it disarmed the moment. Um, it didn't, no one got what they wanted, but it was a moment where we were both able to have a a, a thought of saying, okay, maybe it's not always, maybe this isn't the time to judge people when they're hurt and when they're in pain and when they're following a system and a system that they've only known most of their lives, Mm -hmm. you know, or when they're following a system that if they don't follow that system, they lose their lives. And it's a system that they're living in out of fear out of fear yeah That's because they don't survival. know what life looks like outside of that system mm. and so they're trying to stay safe and do the best they can to be safe truth probably not at the top of the game like probably unconsciously and even instinctively they know like this man on the cross doesn't deserve to die but at the same time they're going this is the system and i have to work through this system in order so i don't go up on that cross myself to die because this wasn't, a, you know, crucifixion wasn't like, oh, this is a strange way to do this. Like, they've seen thousands of crucifixions. They knew this is what happens if you stand against Rome, you know. And so it was as though Christ has this empathetic moment of where he feels abandoned by God, where, where Christ feels like God is nowhere, has this atheistic moment on the yeah. cross, and at the same time screams out to basically like, if you are their father, don't hold them accountable to this. Because they really don't know what they're doing because of the situation they're in. Um, now, this is the part that should piss you off a little bit. Um, because Jesus said it, and I didn't. So I don't have to get you mad at me. You can get mad at Jesus instead. I always like those moments. That's pretty good. Um, you know, like the whole, like, love your enemies and do good to them. Like, yeah, that doesn't seem like a really fun idea right now when the world's falling apart, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get it. Trust me. But these are the things that, that think about. And this verse made me think about it in our conversation with, uh, with Phil. With Phil, Phil Drysdale. Phil Drysdale made me think about it. But it also made me realize is that we're all on a journey. And we're all going through a different time. Some of us are becoming more liberal. Some of us are becoming less Christian or not Christian at all or moving on to another belief system and things like that. And it, sometimes it's just our story. And our story <laughs> is unfolding. And sometimes I don't know how much our, our free will and what we've been taught and what we've seen plays into that. And so I think there's a time that we just have to have empathy. For it, it, the, the greatest 
tool we can have is empathy for one another and caring for one another rather than constantly trying to change one another. You know, because I'm thinking like, oh, this person doesn't believe in God anymore, so it must have been like neo-Calvinism that they were into and this like drew them away. So if I show them what, you know, my theology looks like, you know, if I show them pyro theology, then they'll definitely come back. So that'll be awesome. You know, they'll, they'll definitely get back. Um, you know, but sometimes it's just like people have to go through their own process and all we can do is be friends or enemies or strangers. Um, So, you know, this is why we read and have conversations and, and listen to podcasts and even go online is so we can learn and grow. Um, but, um, but I think too often we're trying to force it. And I think if we're, if we're not careful when we try to force such convictions I think when we try so hard to force particular convictions and, and change people right away, um, we're in danger of starting a war when we're not able to be patient with one another. And, and when we go like, my way or the highway, turn or burn, this is it, you know, I think we're, we're in a chance of starting a war. And I mean, being growing up where I was, you know, as a, kid, every sermon I heard was ended with, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Like, I always had to make this radical decision of like, if you were to die tonight, you're all going to burn up in a million flames and for eternity, it's going to be awful. So what do you want to do? Do you want to maybe, you know, because you might get hit by a car when you go outside. It's like, well, so basically you're offering me, telling me like, if I don't choose this, I'm tortured for eternity. What do you, of course, what are you going to choose? Especially as a kid. And you told that that's real. I mean, I constantly, my kids are like, hey, are ghosts real? Are zombies real? Are fairies real? You know what I mean? Like, well, you're a kid. You don't know what's real or not. And then you hear a pastor who's supposed to be giving you truth. They say things like that. You get terror. And once again, what do you do? You go for the safe thing. Well, Jesus is going to save me from what Jesus is going to do to me. Um, so I think we have a dissenter. A dissenter or someone who's not happy or... We can address that later. Just wear a mask in the phony police state. Don't worry about that right now. Well, we can talk. We can address that later. No, we can talk about it. I, I wear a mask just because it's not for me. It's for other people. So, yeah, you know. And thousands of people dead kind of seems like... The, yeah, you're, you're reading that out of context anyway. Well, no, All I'm right. just saying you're... Yeah. Oh, okay. There's the whole, that's a... I'm definitely reading out of context. I just see something go up and yeah. it goes like... Um, we'll have our afterglow in a little bit. Anyway, what I basically want to say is ignorance is not a bad word. Um, why people always say, well, that was an ignorant statement. But what you're saying when you say that is to think about the meaning is you're saying, oh, I'm phony now. Okay, I'm going to try to ignore this. Just to ignore it. Ignore it. Um, I, I, you're probably not going to meet a more transparent person in your life <laughs> um, than me. So you can call me what you want and I'll take it. Um, but when you when you when you call someone ignorant, when you call someone um, when you, you're basically saying they don't know, they haven't been educated, they haven't looked deeply into it. Um, and so, if someone's ignorant, it's not a horrible thing. It's actually might be a good thing because people can learn, people can grow. When, when, when you don't know something you may be able to sit down and explain something new to someone. So I think, you know, yes, ignorance is bliss, definitely, in some ways. But it's also a way for us to to learn about each other, to grow. And, and, and it gives us this, like, I've got an empty space here. I don't know what's going on. So, so often I have to sit down and, like, especially with Pete, you know. I mean, Pete's a philosopher and just continues to read more and more philosophy and, and go down all these different ways. And... I don't know much, but what's great is sitting down and having conversations, you know. I know it's frustrating for him sometimes, but we have really amazing conversations that make me think differently and think critically. Because I was like, I had no idea that this thought process even existed or someone, like, came up with this, you know. And because I was ignorant and I didn't know, you know, it wasn't my fault. I just 
had learning disabilities, never went to college, never did this, and now I'm able to learn new things. And that's a fantastic place to be, is uh, to grow and learn and, uh, and have that. So, you know, I think that's what we're all trying to do is help each other grow and learn. And I think we all want to grow and learn. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if we're ignorant on a subject, don't you want to know what the truth is? You know, like I can hear someone teach too all day about like, well, this is why African-Americans are under this type of thing and this type of thing. But if I sit down with someone who's black, who's African-American, and we have a conversation and they tell me what it's like to have to tell their kid how to act around a police or different things like that, that hits in a different way. Because that's, that's, that's even more than somebody who studied it. That's someone who's living it. Absolutely. You know, and I go like, you know what? That's right. You know? Mm. And so sometimes those lived truths can even go beyond mm -hmm. what the educator is saying. And then you, know? you having to explain it to Milo. Milo, yeah, like we've talked before, like when Milo's like, why, why do my friends have to... Yeah, why do they have to yeah. hear this? Why and then my you friends have, have to, to go through that? You have to then dissect it enough to explain it to a child yeah. and put it into those terms. And that's, I know from being, when I used to work as a teacher, that's a, a that can make you rewire how you think about things. Like when your kid goes like, what is God? I mean, yeah. my son's always asking mm -hmm. me questions like, could the Hulk beat up God? Could this <laughs> beat up God? And then the other day he told me, he's like, you know, God doesn't talk back, Dad. I'm like, wow, I thought God talked back at that age. He's five. Yeah. You know? And um, he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, watch this. And he asked God a question. He goes, look, nothing. You know, it's like, okay. Post postmodern world, bro. Great. And then I was like, go to bed. Oh, my God. And he's like, that was you, Pops. So we have a lot of fun conversations. But anyway, there you go. That's what I got today. Um, I could rick up some speakers in your ceiling or something. I was going to read something about Romans about all sin and all fall short. But I kind of wonder just like sometimes if, you know, we're not held accountable in Romans. It talks about we're not you know, held accountable because... You know, we all fall short, all sin, all make mistakes, all have different views, all different group of different way. And sometimes I wonder if the idea of grace is the very thing that that we need because we just sometimes we just we're not going to change overnight. You know, someone asked me the other day on 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 Twitter about like, well, when you talk about self, you know, what's Christian, what's not Christian? Because I was talking about how. Christians are being like, you're not a real Christian if you're not this party, or you're not this party. And someone's like, well, what about loving this and doing this and doing that? And I'm like, yeah, those are all great things, but none of those things come right away. You know, those are yeah. things over time. Totally. You know, things that come over time through reading and experience and through building friendships and studying and hearing sermons and then seeing if it's actually there after you've heard the sermon, you know, that type of thing. And, and then what did it mean? I'm like, it all comes I'm like, the only thing I can tell you that's for me is grace is the one thing that's, you know, did, did the person receive grace? I don't even say accept because accept's an action. And my, my Lutheran brothers and sisters were like, nope, it's received. Did you receive? You know, like, you don't even take it. So anyway, I think that's why grace is so important. And uh, that we also don't escape each other, scapegoat each other, love each other, and um, try to give each other a lot of grace. Um, so there you go. So we're going to do a Q&A, and I guess Caleb's going to explain to me everything that's been going on, why I've been trying to avoid all the comments, why I've preached. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, man, once we, once we have the ability to hide to use, the comments, to, to, well, to use monitors, I will immediately not use them. <laughs> I'll turn them all around backwards so you can't see any of this until after. Um, before we get to the, I do want to, well, okay, we'll wait, we'll wait for that. Let's just, let's start at the top here. Okay, so, um, we got a lot of great comments about what, kind of responding to your idea, your, your, your question about what would it take for, uh, for personal change. Yeah. Um, see, Zoe had a lot of good comments about that. I was, I got caught up reading the back and forth there and I lost track. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Listeners, give me one second here. I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. Zoe said, intention does not equal impact. We can understand and have empathy for folks' good intentions or their different perspective and also recognize that what they're doing causes great harm. And we can fight against the actions of folks who are doing harmful things, even try to directly stop them while honoring their humanity. To say someone is doing terrible things is not an attack on them as a human. I agree. Um, well, we've got some comments about anarchy here. Uh, Roberta said, hello, Roberta. Good to 
see it piping in here. She says, uh, I grew up in the Baptist church. My mother was Catholic. I saw the hypocrisy in organized religion in general. This changed my beliefs. I couldn't understand why I was being taught what to do. I couldn't, why I was being taught what to do to be a good Christian, yet the church leaders would say and do the opposite. The disparaging remarks of those people, like the others, talking about people of color and LGBTQ folks made me sick. I don't want to be part of a church. I don't want to be part of that. There are a lot of reasons, other reasons as well, but I'm more comfortable having myself as my own church or my own spirituality. Very good, very good. Um... Joanna, oh, hey, Joanna, good to see you checking in again. Hope uh, Joanna was looking for DBT uh, oh, advice. Hope, nice. hope that's working out well for you, Joanna. And she said, totally agree. I think a lot of people are reacting out of fear right now. Yeah, all well, we do react out of fear because <clears throat> yeah. we want what's safe. You know, and I don't blame people for wanting safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Of course not. You know, survival. I, I don't like uncertain times. You know, I'm, you know, I'm moving to my whole my whole family to Seattle, and Caleb's moving, and I'm freaked out about it. Yeah. Part of me would just like to stay here and be safe in my mm-hmm. little apartment. Um, let me read this one more comment here before, from Zoe before we get into this exciting little boxing match going on here. Zoe said, uh, to change my convictions, this is the comment I was looking for earlier, um, it would take what it always has. Folks who love me to look me in the eye and tell me what I have done is harmful. And their willingness to have a boundary with me if I cannot change right away yeah that's good good. yeah and being open to me in reconciliation when i drop those harmful things from my life because i've been i sometimes react when people confront me on that they're like oh do you not you know like Mm -hmm. so i feel like often there's a lot of new like in my life over the past 15 years there's been a lot of new rules totally requests yeah how to say things and not say things Mm -hmm. um you know and remember being like oh you know realized thought i was being attacked rather than talked to you know and so i get that you know when people feel attacked because they're asked to change or to think differently yeah. you know so i get that because i felt attacked when someone was like you know you've referred to god as a man 15 mm-hmm. times in your sermon mm-hmm. what are you doing and i'm like right but I'm i wasn't yeah right i was thinking about yeah, yeah exactly so. yeah and um uh our friend marie who was just here taking photos uh she does a lot of really good work and, and she and I collaborate on some podcasts or yeah, uh, a couple shows, but anyway, um, she is, has a very different perspective on, um, the value of Christianity and things like that than, than us. But, uh, but, but she's all about creating very, very cognizantly creating space to observe people changing, yeah. to observe conversations that are happening. Uh, you know, if, if miss it, like say, if someone misgenders somebody or uh, misunderstands something, like leaving that content in the podcast okay. material that we put out there, you know, so, so that people can see change yeah. happening kind of thing. Anyway, okay, we're going to get into – this is going to trigger you a little bit, Jay. Okay. Well, I don't want to avoid the – I know. Avoid the, the elephant in the room. I'm not sure – okay. I'm just going to read. Who are you reading from? Is this, this is Sherry. Okay, so Sherry has said some things that have been – a um, bit hurtful already. I, I don't know if Sherry um, really knows where we're coming from. Yeah. with a lot of the stuff she's saying. She doesn't here. realize, like I don't, I don't, I don't consider myself yeah. progressive or conservative. And I don't want. And I, I would like to point this out. This, this is really cool to me is seeing a couple members of our congregation who I know for a fact have very, very different political yeah. views, okay. both responding to Sherry saying, "Hey, you're misunderstanding what's yeah, going on here." We definitely have conservatives. Zoe and Cheryl are both. Okay. Uh, saying so the same thing to, to conservatives sh- and liberals talking or, yeah, to you right now or, because uh, progressives. this is for progressives. We have church. We have revolution is a church for everybody. Yeah, I, I'm not sure you're with fully different, with different viewpoints to come together, and, and we try to create a safe yeah. space for that. Yeah, Sherry, conversation. Uh, I want to enter this dialogue now that we're about to enter. Okay. Just saying um, to Sherry, we're not. No one's attacking anybody, and I think that there's some miscommunication happening. Okay. Okay, but here we go. All right. Sherry says, why are liberals not allowing free thought like you are explaining here? Why are liberals always in charge of minorities and doxing their business if they don't agree? This this is a lot of rhetoric. A lot of rhetoric. Why is pride of country bad? Why are we following politicians who are lying to us about aspects of the virus? A lot of Fox News stuff here. I I mean, I think some of that is, and and, and not trying to attack Sherry by any means, is, is just... 
sure you've got to you make sure I feel in some ways some of those things are scapegoating liberals and saying all the problems. Yeah. She says the world is falling apart because you're blaming the liberals and not taking any responsibility for what the conservatives are doing. And I think you kind of would have to be blind to not see that part that Trump has played in the United States right now in it not being a great place Mm -hmm. and not being a safe place. Now I'm not going to say that all conservatives are bad. I don't believe that my dad's a conservative. I had lots of friends who are conservatives. Me too. I'm just saying it's just really easy to scapegoat one side or the other. It's really easy for someone to say, you know, all conservatives are bad. And so we don't hang out with them or all Democrats are bad. Right. And they're doing this. And just to be honest with you, it's like that's scapegoating. And when we scapegoat, we don't grow personally. We don't grow on our own lives. Our party doesn't grow. Yeah. And it's like you're like a sports team. It's like you're a diehard fan and you're like, oh, you know, no matter Blind. what happens, yeah. I'm going to follow them. And you're blindly following men, human beings. I mean, for me, one of the reasons I have a hard time time, even wanting to vote and wanting to, to, to be a part of the political process and why I don't go and, you know, I've had some friends recently come out and endorse the, a pres- Joe Biden as a presidential candidate, you know, and I've, my dad's mm-hmm. endorsed Trump. And why I, have a, I don't endorse presidential candidates is because I also know that these are the same people who make decisions that sometimes accidentally bl- – sometimes accidentally blow up school buses, you know, and go to war and do things like that. And it's really hard for me to say, well, I'm going to support someone who I know is probably not going to end the death penalty and is probably going to, you know, support war and, and people being killed and things like that. It's very hard for me to do that. Is it a perfect situation? No. Do I, do I, um, do I vote and take part of what I, what's, what's there? I do. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really um, cannot read all of this discussion happening here, but I'm just going to try to pull out uh, some highlights here. So um, I just saw Sherry make a point, and I'm going to just click on yeah, that. Yeah, please. Yeah, go ahead. Just because she just said, you know, Trump hasn't started any new wars and things like that. And, yeah, no, they're honestly – you know, there are certain things that no one wants to say anything positive about Trump right now because we're all, you know, a lot of people are afraid that Trump's going to win or they're going to win or who's going to win. Yeah, but you're right. Trump has not, has brought p- troops home yeah. and has not started a lot of new wars. And Sherry, there are, there are so Trump supporters truth. in our congregation. Yeah, yeah. You've you're, actually, you're talking you've to actually some been and you having a conversation it. with some Trump supporters. You're, you're, you're having dialogue with them right now and you don't realize it. So, um, but, so yeah. But yeah. I've sat down and had conversations and I've sat in revolution before. And said positive, said, here's some positive things that I've seen Donald Trump do, you know. Sherry's um, also saying that we support pedophilia. Um, okay. No one. Well, if that's, I mean, if you're going to say here, that we, just, if any of us support pedophilia, that's, that's kind me. of a conversation ender. Yeah. Like, that's not really safe. And that's making accusations that I can't understand where that would come from. Yeah. No one um, here. That is evil. I, you know, yeah. I mean, I was abused as, as a child. I mean, it's, and, and it, uh, I, I, I take that, uh, that's offensive, and that's not a way to have a conversation. And so as a teacher, I would just say, accusing people, accusing the other side, accusing people who aren't on your side of all these horrible things. Um, well, he took it out of context, of course. Well, I can't sit here and read everything you've written. You've written a lot. I'm, I apologize. I just don't have the time to do it. And I'm just saying maybe Facebook isn't the place to to pinpoint things like the gov you know you're saying like uh, you know we've had democrat presidents for eight years and the world didn't fall apart we've had republicans for eight years the world didn't fall apart we've had richard nixon and he resigned and the world didn't fall apart you know um could we survive four more years of trump probably i i don't think it would be a good situation honestly i don't think either politician that I have to choose from is going to be the savior or make an answer and i don't think i have a position that i even feel I don't feel either politician represents me, not the elephant or the jackass, to be honest with you. There's no silver bullet here. I think the government has to reform and we have to have new choices. So, uh, you know, I I don't know. I I lived in New York for for seven years and it's the only place that feels like home to me. And I, I care deeply about New York and I see you speaking about New York, but honestly, I don't know the context, so I can't get that. Um, I just, uh, I have to, you have to understand, I think that, you know, Cheryl, you're, you're getting conservatives and Democrats who are both attending this church 
riled up. So maybe, you know, maybe it's 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 in a way you should maybe look with inside. Why is this making you so angry? Mm-hmm. What's inside personally that's triggering you to be so mad and so hurt and to lash out in this way that maybe it's something that you need to work within yourself and talk to somebody about. Um, so you're able to have more of a civil conversation, you know, um, I'm not going to feed into all the, the arguments or this or that, because honestly, I don't feel like some of those are even my place to, to bring to the talk today, you know? And Sherry, if there is, you're saying that you're angry, we can't see what you're trying to point out. And if there is something that we're missing, um, we, you know, we want to see the truth. We're not trying to be blinded to anything, but I don't think, I, I think that you're misunderstanding. Yeah. And I think there's people here who would talk to you yeah. and, and, and on from both sides. And, uh, we don't, so yeah. if we are misinformed, uh, about anything, I don't live in New York. I actually live in Minneapolis, Minnesota right now. I haven't lived in New York for seven years, but anyway, I do appreciate you coming and listening. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of good folks to talk to. And um, I believe we're all going through a really harsh time, so I, I don't blame you for being angry and hurt. I think we're all scared right now, and we're all looking for answers. And uh, well, the thing I think you're going to find in Revolution and in this congregation is that a lot of us have come to very different answers, um, but that's not a deal breaker for us. Amen. Uh, there's no, none of, no one here has to think the same. We don't even have to vote the same. And we're not going to throw each other out based on political differences. So, you know. Well, Sherry said something positive. She said your dad's a good man. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Thanks, Sherry. You know, my dad raised me and taught me to love people and taught me to think differently. And, and I, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the grace that people always think it's just, you know, oh, your mom was wonderful. But people forget, like, yeah, dad was there, too, and taught me to love and care about people. And we don't agree on everything. But we still, one thing we do agree is, is to love each other unconditionally. And, and, and that makes a huge difference is just the fact that he's my dad, you know, he's the, my kid's granddad and I want them to know him. I want to have a relationship with him. And so we have that relationship. Is it perfect? No, but I don't know many uh, parental relationships that are perfect, but thank you for your kind words. Hey, everybody. Wild day again, but I think we're going to get a lot of these as the world's changing and as we continue to have these tough conversations. Um, I hope we that today's word can be taken to see for both sides of why we both need to come together and why we both need to continue these conversations. And I hope you all will continue to uh, to talk to one another and love each other the best you can. Um, so... You know, I, we can only do so much on, on a Facebook page or uh, during a message, but thanks for your interaction and, uh, thanks everybody. Uh, I see you guys just showing a lot of grace and, and, and it, with each other. And I appreciate to see the congregation doing this gorgeous work as I just sit here and talk. Cause that's, that's the true sign of what we're trying to do is, you know, bring a diverse group of people, different thoughts and ideas together and just say, you know, we have something in common mm-hmm. and, uh, some of us, you know, are Christians. Some of us even aren't, you know, but we've all got this kind of haunting that's continues to bring us together and have great conversations. Um, and, uh, Thomas, you're right. We definitely could use, uh, support, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Cause I feel like everybody's so triggered, but yeah, me and Caleb are doing a move and the church could definitely use your support. We love you guys. Be good. Lots of love. Thank you. Peace to you all. And um, hey, James, I love you, buddy. See you guys later. Bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, Find us on social media at SacredMN. We're going out of town on a for a graduation, so we have to drive up to Bismarck. Fun, oh, fun. Is that even a place? Yeah, it is a place. Uh, is the, the I don't think it's a place. Are the Dakotas a real place? I don't know. No. Uh, can we? Can I talk about how how Minnesotan your voice is? Yeah, I'm pretty Minnesotan. I yeah, I it's it's straight up very. Min- I listen to the podcast like. Whoa, he's definitely from Minnesota. <laughs> yes, I'm uh, born, tried, and true. 
It's funny because I have relatives in in Kansas City, and to me, they sound like Hicks, y'all, and uh, Twain, yep. and then they y'all go, come back right here. Yeah, and then they come up, <laughs> and then they come up here, and they make fun of us on how we talk, and I'm like, yes, we have an mm-hmm. accent, we have that northern accent. Say the word b a g, bag, bag, bag. It's bag, bag, bag. <laughs> Bagels. Bagels. Oh, bag- let, me, let me finish this. Bagel? Finish this, Michael. Duck, duck. <laughs> oh, I know this. I, I listened to this episode. It's definitely goose, not gray duck. What the hell is gray duck? <laughs> my wife says the same thing. Well, my my wife's from South Dakota. My wife's from South Dakota. My mom's from Wisconsin. My dad was from South Dakota. And they're like, what, what the heck is a gray duck? And I said... There are such things as gray ducks, and it does make sense that it's goose. But Minnesota, are there really gray ducks? Probably. Are they just goose? Probably. Probably. No, probably. You can spray, you can spray paint a duck any you can color. Spray paint it. Yeah. I don't but ever want to know. I have uh, no idea uh, why, but Minnesota is the uh, only state out of all of them that will say gray duck. And if you say goose, we just rage. It's a little stupid little thing that's purely Minnesotan. It's a bit because it's so close to moose and. Moose are huge in Minnesota. Meese. I don't know. Like if you if you're raised in school, like when I was in elementary school, when we played that game, if you said goose, I mean everyone would just glare at you. You'd get kicked out of the class. Like we take it seriously. Ostracized. Here. Yeah, it's duck, duck, gray duck. And my wife joked with me and was like, when we raise our daughter, if she comes home from class and says a duck, duck, gray duck, then hey, how about this one? Let me pitch this to you. Instead of being ostracized, you're giant duckicized. Oh my gosh! Mm, wow, it's a, that's kind a, of a poultry pun. I don't know. There you go. Any feedback? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. As for like me a, in my house, we will say goose. <laughs> do How it. about that? I have a very important question. What is your favorite MXPX? I'm just going to go right to it. Favorite MXPX album? Go. That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>